0: all the time.
2: Today's business phone systems are required to do more than just answer phone calls. A cloud-based or VoIP voice system from Blackfoot Communications simplifies your business communications while adding features and capabilities. Your staff, remote or in-house, can provide the service your customers expect. With zero upfront investment, your future phone system is available today. Call 541-5000 or visit blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot, connect to more. You're
0: going to learn to love this new intro, I promise. And Reese is already nailing it, too. Teasing you with Ridge Against the Machine, leading you in with Tom Petty. It's 2 tell New Orleans, 129 ESPN Missoula. Except for there's no 2 tell today. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining me. In the uh, number one chair, we're going to call it today. Welcome in. 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Broadcasting to you live from the ESPN studios right here in the Garden City. If you want to find us on your radio dial, you already know. 102.9 FM. If you're watching us on TV, man, he looks pretty. Way more pretty than the guy who usually sits in that chair. That's me. SWX Montana statewide. And you can find us anywhere on planet Earth. On the live stream, 1029ESPN.com. Stream presented by Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Got a big show today. We're doing three different giveaways. Not one, not two, but three. If you're a big, loyal listener, you know we're always hooking you up. We're hooking you up with all the good eats, all the good drinks every single day. But it's a short week. We're not going to be here on Thursday and Friday. We hope everybody's out there having a safe Thanksgiving with your friends, family, or isolated, whatever you want to do. We're not here to judge. Just make sure you have yourself a good time. But today we're going to give you some wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern. Riley and I are going to exchange some trivia questions. We also have a, sa- a gift card to Taglieri Delicatessen, which is the best sandwiches in all of Missoula. We'll give that to you at the top of the hour. And we also have a $25 gift card to Dobie's Teriyaki, best Seattle style teriyaki in the city of Missoula. So we got happening in the show today. I was rolling solo yesterday. We did all high school football and uh, a little bit of NFL yesterday. Today, we're going to dive into some FCS football as a whole. I got a couple questions for Riley. Spark a little conversation on the balance or lack thereof in both the FCS and FBS divisions. We're also going to have some trivia. We also are going to have a little bit of update on Grizz news. Milton Mamula, defensive end from Montana into the transfer portal. That's the second big name in the transfer portal so far this offseason. But on the other side of that, four, count them, four verbal commits from the state of Montana to the Montana Grizzlies. And pretty darn impressive that Bobby Haug and his staff have been able to get 15 verbal commits when you can't even bring kids to campus. You can't, you're can't. you showing kids the University of Montana on Zoom. So we're getting a little bit about recruiting uh, in the modern age. And then we got, at the top of the hour, we had a Zoom call with Travis DeCure uh, about a week ago. And if you want to watch that in its duration, you can find it skyline sports, mt.com. You can also find it on our YouTube channel, skyline sports, but we're going to share one of the sound bites with Travis. I asked him a lot about the pressure that's being put on men's basketball specifically by the NCAA because of the money-making cog. That is the NCAA men's basketball tournament. And, uh, basically the premise is are they trying to fit a square peg into a round hole so we'll share that sound talk a little bit about grizz men's hoops riley is actually on his way to los angeles here later on this week uh, to cover the grizz opener against usc on saturday and then finally of course we got to do some nfl with my man too because i know he's itching riley gets to talk about the big sky he gets to talk about a little bit of high school stuff every once in a while he never gets to take a swing at the nfl Thanks for coming in, man. This is fun.
1: This is going to be awesome. I appreciate the invite, and uh, it feels like we're rolling again, right? Grizz Sports on the horizon. There's things to look forward to. So, I don't know. This feels like a warm-up to my vocal cords, man. We just get to talk (laughs) about some sorts. There are some great talking points today. Seriously, we're we're going to dive in for all of you out there that are maybe missing the fact that, yes, I I know that I hate doing the what-if part of things, right, when you – Go back and forth of what you should be um, looking at and what could have been happening in in a normal year, but the bracket would have been revealed, right, two days ago. So so the fact now that we would be already breaking down first-round matchups, it's very fitting to me that we are going to start talking about FCS, the landscape, and what the playoff picture has evolved into. I mean, you've got great background in this too. I mean, with what FCS football has done, a lot of people, not only statewide, but I even think around the country would be intrigued to hear that conversation. Basketball is the name of the game, at least right now. Tomorrow is supposed to, well, it's not supposed, to it is the first day of college basketball competition but boy is it a mess right now and I know that we'll dive into that Travis was amazing on that zoom call with so many different areas that he covered and uh the good sound clips y'all from that too so looking forward to it man we're gonna dive in it's gonna be a good two hours if you want to get a hold of us if you want to
0: if you want to contribute to the show Rankage Brothers RV Fold 9 that's 361-3688 you're gonna want to remember that first and foremost that's how you're gonna win all your great prizes today But if you have a question, a comment, you want to ask myself or Riley anything, or you want to hit us up via text, you can find it either way at Rangers Brothers RV phone line 361-3688. All right, Corkin, let's get into this. I think that uh, this is something I've been thinking about quite a bit lately. If anybody listens to this show regularly knows that I am not an FBS football guy and people wonder why. And I think it's because the stratification of what the FBS has become, it's become a non-salary cap sport, basically. The more money you spend, the more competitive you're going to be. I'm not naive enough to think that that's not college sports at all levels. I mean, I understand that the University of Montana, Montana State, North Dakota State, they have more resources than most of their competition. So that also caters to success. You have to invest to make money and also to have a product. But because of the playoff format, the expanded playoff format in the FCS, I think there is a, l- a little bit of a chance for more uh, parity, for lack of a better word, for more balance within the division. Whereas, I just think that Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State are going to be able to buy their way into at least the doorstep of the college football playoff, if not straight into the college football playoff. I don't really know how you close the gap. I think that there's a couple teams that are right outside, the, uh, right outside looking in, but... I, th- I think there's a couple teams that can kick down the door. We'll get into that in a little bit. But I was thinking about the structure of the actual FCS playoffs. And I was thinking about when Division One AA was first formed back in 1978. And if you look at the history of champions at this level, there was no real rise uh, of a consistent power until Eric Russell's team started winning championships in 1985 at Georgia Southern. And Georgia Southern won in 85, 86, 89, and 90. That was the first real dynasty of the Division I AA level. But when you look at the playoff bracket and you look at what those teams' history in that little moment had been, and you look at the runs that they went on, from Florida A&M that won the very first in 1978 to Boise State in 1980. Idaho State people forget Idaho State won a Division One AA National Championship.
1: I mean, in recent memory too. I mean, I would say 1981. That that's at least recent history enough for, for sure. Idaho State, a team that's maybe not thought of as a national power. But yeah, to further your point it's, more, I mean, that's amazing.
0: It's so amazing how uh, first of all that it's not just that they got hot. That they had a good program, a great program back then. I mean, Holt Arena, which has become an antiquated uh, venue now. That was a state of the art venue back in 1981. I mean, Idaho and Idaho State; those, the Kibby Dome and and Arena. Arena, the were, Mini Dome, the Kibby Dome and the Mini exactly. Dome. Exactly. Right? I mean, they, 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 those two were those were hot arenas though, and I think that it catered to them being able to recruit some great athletes, and you had some some great players on those teams. But regardless, you know, Montana State, 1984. I mean, that's one among the most anomalous national championships in the history of Division One football. I think you're one in ten the year before, two in nine the year after. It's a moment in time. I mean, Dave Arnold won a national championship and got let go two years later. Imagine that. It's it's crazy to think, but that's another example of the runs. And then you get up into the 90s, which were actually, by and large, dominated by the dynasties, Youngstown State primarily, but also Marshall uh, and Georgia Southern, of course. But you had Montana in there in 1995, and that was the spark of Montana becoming uh, a dynasty in its own. But that Montana team, people actually forget, was, I think, the number 6th. Uh, I think they're number eight in the nation in rankings and number six in the seeding. And they needed a bunch of different things to go right for the playoffs to continue to come to Missoula. And then you go all the way up into the two thousands. I think that, you know, 99 2000 when Georgia Southern won the championships, they were the best teams. 2001, Joe Glenn's Montana team, the best team. But then you look at some of the other mid two thousands app state had their three-year run. Of course, the James Madison's first title in 2004, Richmond's first title in 2008, Villanova's first title in 2009, and Eastern Washington, the last Big Sky Conference title in 2010, those are all teams that caught the momentum at the exact right time. And the, the, uh, the irony of this situation, too, is that you talk about Bobby Houck leading Montana to three national championship games in the span of seven years and falling in each one of those. Montana had the best team in the country probably six times in the seven years that Bobby Houck was the head coach. I'd say five times oh four, oh six, oh seven, oh eight, 04 06 07 08 and 09. Five for sure. And and those teams didn't win a national championship. But uh, t- to me that's actually the beauty of the playoffs because you you can have somebody that's not the absolute best team win it because they get hot at the right time. I also think that at the FCS level one of my favorite parts is you do not get killed for losing a singular game. The 08 Grizz, for example, I remember they lost to Weber State. That was their only conference loss under Bobby Houck the last four years he was at the helm. But that sparked them and they just steamrolled everybody from that point forward because it was a wake-up call. They beat Weber in the playoffs. But regardless... Then we get to 2011, and North Dakota State beat Sam Houston State in the national championship. And since then, it's been nothing but NDSU. NDSU's gone 128 and 8 over the last nine years. Repeat that number 128 and 8.
1: In nine in years, nine they've years. lost eight games. They've yes. gone
0: undefeated three times in nine years, and they've lost eight total games, and they've won eight national, champions, national championships. So, my first question for you, Riley, then is. The answer to the question of is the FCS balanced is no. NDSU owns the FCS. There's nothing to argue that point. But if you take NDSU out of the FCS, is the FCS balanced?
1: Yes, I think it is. Because you have, I mean, look at the list of teams that you just went down and said, right? And there are so many different points off of what you said in the last couple of minutes that I could stem from. And I think that one point I definitely want to hit on is the playoff aspect of it, right? Let's look at all major sports. What do we love most about it? The tournament setting at the end. No question. The NBA. I mean, just, we can go through every, every single sport. In the regular season, you're not getting penalized for a five-game losing streak when you have two of your best players out. NFL, same type of deal. Wild card team can get hot and win it. FCS playoffs, all of those teams that you mentioned during those crazy runs that they made, they got hot at the right time. That's why we love sports, though, because a team can peak. And they might not be the best team all year, but at a certain time, they are. And And I think with the FCS playoffs, stemming back to what you're saying about is it balanced if you took out North Dakota State? Yes, I because there are multiple teams you could pick, right? I mean, yes, there are there are pecking orders, right? Yeah. Of the the next in line, mm-hmm. and I know we're going to get into that too. Of there's probably a group of four or five schools, and I would put both Montana schools in that category that are nipping at the heels. They they can sure. take that next step. Um, but for FCS football, if you took out NDSU, who would you say is the favorite to win it? Every year in the last decade. You know FCS football better than anyone. Man,
0: I think that there's been a lot of teams that are right there. I mean, James Madison has to be the favorite. Would it be
1: that, would, would the same team have been your repeat answer from year to
0: year? Sure. And that's the other thing that's crazy. And we're going to get into some of the teams that could have won it. That were big-time contenders. But I also think the playoff format, it caters to, but also then makes it so that you encounter matchups that might be your nightmare matchup or vice versa. I hearken back Wofford. to uh, R- in 2007 for the Grizzlies, no Bingo. question. Yeah. Uh, I hearken back to the the uh, 2011, 2012 Montana State Bobcats, led by Daenerys McGee. Those teams were outstanding. They had borderline pro quality players at all three levels of their defense. They had the two time MVP at quarterback. They had a record setting running back in Cody Kirk. I mean, the list of names that you could go through with those Bobcat teams. They're some of the great teams in the history of that school. And would likely be remembered as some of the great teams in the history of the conference had their playoff runs not come, they, they abruptly be, were shortened because in 2010, they run in North Dakota State when North Dakota State's first getting started. But that was actually not, that was the, uh, the foreshadowing of the NDSU dynasty but it was Sam Houston State. It was the worst matchup in the country.
1: Friday night game, I remember it too. Under the lights, Bobcat Stadium, absolutely. I mean, it was the worst matchup in the country
0: for Montana State, and they happened to play Sam Houston in the quarterfinals. So it was my thought that I don't know if Montana State would have won the national championship those two years. I don't think they would have. I don't think they even probably would have made it to the championship round. But the difference between the feather in your cap as a program for the Final Four and the Final Eight is... Significant in the FCS and Montana state fell short of that final four two years in a row because they played definitively the second best team in the country. Think of last year's FCS playoffs. Just switch the bracket. Let Montana state play Weber in the quarterfinals in that rainstorm. And it doesn't affect them nearly as much because they don't have a high flying offense with a quarterback like Dalton Steed. Instead, they could just take it to the ground. You get a slugfest and put the Grizz on the other side of the bracket, send them to Fargo. I think the Grizz are a better matchup for NDSU in that scenario, so I think that sometimes it caters to the matchups a little bit, either uh, helping you advance farther than maybe your, your quality of your program deserves, or... Sometimes falling short to a team that's just your kryptonite.
1: I, the matchup part of these things are what the most intriguing aspect of it is, and and I hate the fact just from someone that loves FCS football and we love the bracket side of it. I hate the regional matchups of it too, right. and I think that's why there are so many people that are pushing so hard against that. That all year long, those matchups that you create, you have a Montana Weber State. That's that's the game you get in the quarterfinals. No, I want to see I want to see Weber State go play. I mean, a Northern Iowa. I I want to see Monmouth. I I know Monmouth. I mean, they played James Madison. Shoot, send them out to Sacramento State. I I know that there's a lot of logistics that come into that factor too, but you're right. It comes down to matchups and how this bracket is made up, and the teams that they put on one side or not. That's why that final game in Bozeman last year meant that much more. The winner of that game had the catbird seat, so to speak. And the loser had a tougher first-round matchup and had to go play at Weber State. I mean, it all comes down to that. And I think that... That's why that game was even more so important. And that's why you got to give credit to the Cats for making it to the semifinals because, hey, they took care of business there. It's all about matchups here. And I for think sure. I, I really wish that that there was a way to put different people in charge of how this bracket was put together no and question. how it was set up because it would be completely different. But, I mean, all the names that you've thrown in there, Coulter, I, it goes to show me... There is balance. Uh, same question right back at you. Would you say, I mean, for the fact, if you took North Dakota State out of it, where would you put the FCS? Well,
0: to tell new Nuarez, 129 ESPN, Missoula, statewide, SWX, Montana, television, worldwide, 1029ESPN.com. You can find us on the stream. Streams presented by Opportunity Bank. And you probably get this question all the time, too. We, we get asked a lot of similar questions. You know, people are always asking, who's winning the in-state recruiting battle? Who's going to win Cat Grizz, Grizz Cat, this year? And you can always tell who they're rooting for by who they say first. <laughs> always. And or what do insert team name here? What do the Grizz, what do the Bobcats need to do to catch NDSU? Well, here's my thought on why NDSU has, has been as dominant as they've been over the last 10 years. There's obviously the tradition that was already existent at North Dakota State. People that don't haven't followed the history. NDSU has only been division one for about fifteen years, but they were the preeminent, prominent division two program in the country. I think they won twelve. Division II national championships. I mean, they won that that conference like 25 times. If you go to the Fargo Dome, there's just I mean, the only thing that I've ever seen that's on par with it is Robin Selvig's banners <laughs> for the Lady <laughs> Grizz at, at, at Dahlberg Arena. But they, they had instilled entrenched tradition, so the fan base expected nothing but winning. You can't discredit them for that. The indoor facilities that they have, I think gives them a national recruiting brand that they wouldn't be able to have otherwise if they had to play outside in Fargo, North Dakota. The fact that University of Minnesota has been so had so, so many down years, they were able to feast on kids from the Twin Cities, but they've also established pipelines from Texas and Florida, which you couldn't otherwise establish if you're never if you have to play outside. That's one thing where I think Montana Montana State falls short for sure. But it's to me more than any other factor. It's twofold. It's the formula that they have established in terms of ensuring that they get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. They have not left the Fargo Dome besides to go to Frisco, Texas, in nine years. Not once. Never. There is no marquee win like when the Grizz went across the country in 2008 to beat James Madison. That doesn't exist in North Dakota State. Again, they deserve all the credit for that in the world because they're the ones establishing home field. But that's also set them up with a systematic advantage. But to me, the number one most untold factor, and this is to answer your question about the balance, is that the chips have fallen perfectly for North Dakota State every single year in the playoffs. To me, the team that was supposed to take out North Dakota State was the Bo Baldwin coached Cooper Cup and Samson Ebucom led Eastern Washington Eagles? And those guys fell short in the semifinals three times in four years. I mean, the infamous catch I mean, behind the back of the young by the Youngstown State yeah. kid in the semifinals in Cheney. I mean, that team is the most loaded team I've ever had the chance to personally up close cover. I mean, Cooper Cup, you saw what he did last night on Monday Night Football. He's just killing people. looks like it's the Big Sky Conference stuff. Yeah. Kendrick Bourne starts with the San Francisco 49ers. Samson Evugom also starts for the Rams. Aaron Neary has been with your Broncos for a little while, and then now is also, I think, with the Rams. Simba Webster is in the league. I mean, on down the line, that team was so stacked. But to me, and to, uh, let me tell me what you think of this. I think the way to beat North Dakota State is to play an opposite style of North Dakota State. I think what Montana State has shown the last two years is they have a tremendous formula. It's just North Dakota State's formula, though, with the exception of not having an NFL quarterback. Uh, big, big down uh, grade when you talk about CAT quarterbacks compared to the likes of Carson Wentz and Ethan yeah, it, Stick it, and just Trey a, Lance. Just a, tad. just a little bit, you know, three straight draft picks compared to. Uh, uh, yeah, we well, won't go there. The, uh, but, but, but don't you think, though, that the best way to take out NDSU is like an Eastern Washington style team that not
1: a NDSU light? I agree with that. And the fascinating part of it, though, it's a copycat system, right? I mean, everyone goes, OK, what's North Dakota State do? Well, we need to do that. Well, then you're seeing teams build that way, and then they play them, and they're just not bigger, faster, stronger than North Dakota State. They're not having that success beating them at their own game. You have to go outside the box. You have to use the speed on the field and absolutely spread them out. I think that's the only way you can try and beat North Dakota State in the playoffs. It would be nice to see them try and win a game away from the Fargo Dome. And again, we're not discrediting any of the wins, but it's pretty nice when you get to stay in the comfort of the Fargo Dome and be able to do that, which also leads me to another fascinating aspect because you mentioned at the very beginning before we even dove into this about the teams that have made the magical runs and how you're not really a fan of FPS football compared to FCS football, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. There's two teams that come to mind for me. It's actually four, maybe five that you could put in this realm. Georgia Southern. Yep. Appalachian State. Yep. Montana. Mm -hmm. And North Dakota State. Those would be my four. You can even throw the cats in there. But we're talking about dynasties in FCS football. For sure. Two have moved up and two have stayed down. What is Georgia Southern football right now? What is Appalachian State football right now? It's
0: my the, biggest argument.
1: What's the point? They're both successful. That's the thing. They but, are, but, but what are do, they playing does it for? It doesn't matter. Right. You're playing on a Wednesday night on ESPNU because you get maybe some more exposure, but but what's the carrot at the end of it? You win the conference and go 10-2. and two. Hey, you got going to go play in the New Orleans Bowl on December 21st against the second-place team from the Mountain West Conference, and good job, good season. What are you playing for at the end of it all? So I, I think that... Brings in another talking point of North Dakota State, Montana, those teams that are in that top tier that we are going to mention here when you say, okay, who's the next challenger to North Dakota State and the Bison? And we can list those teams right there when you talk about the two teams here in Montana Weaver State, James Madison. I mean, and those are the kind of teams that you look at it in the next realm. Is it worth moving up? All of those things. There's a lot of different factors that come down to it, but. I guess that leads me right into a culture with how many teams do you think are in that next tier? You, you say balance, right? And I, I agree with that. I think there's probably 8 to 10 teams at the beginning of the, the FCS year. They go, okay, they might have a chance to challenge North Dakota State. Which, I mean, what where, where would you put in that category from a consistent standpoint and, and what's missing? Because I think the indoor facility piece yeah. is huge. And guess what? Both schools, Montana and Montana State, are working hard on trying to make that happen, obviously, because that is probably what will fill a huge gap from a recruiting standpoint. But who is in that next year? Who can catch North Dakota State? What will it take to turn the tide of this dynasty? Well, I think that the
0: other part about the FCS, by the way, Tutel Nuanas, Riley Corcoran, Voice of the Grizz, in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas, 129 ESPN Missoula. I think that there's been... There's, because of teams chasing the FBS dollars, there's been uh, reiterations of, the, of this level of football a couple times. Right now we're doing our Grizz Greats podcast series. Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, 25-part podcast series chronicling that 1995 run uh, to the National Championship for Montana. And one of the, the central themes of that is the status of the Big Sky Conference and the, as a whole – at that time, and the status of Montana within the Big Side Conference and on a national landscape. People that have been around Missoula for less than 25 years, they might not realize that Montana was David, not Goliath, until they won that 1995 national championship. The Goliaths already existed when you talk about Eastern Kentucky, Georgia Southern, Youngstown State, and uh, you know probably Boise State. Boise State, Idaho, and Nevada, between 93 and 95, all lead the league. Everybody in the Big Sky Conference is wondering, well, who's going to carry the flag? Who's going to be that team? Boise State had played for the national title in 1994. You'd had great runs, two national titles by other members of the league, but not Montana. Montana had just started to blossom. 1993, they won their first Big Sky title with Dave Dickinson. But that was the beginning. That was the origin point. So Montana was able to then assume that spot as this premier school in the FCS. Georgia Southern was right alongside them still. Appalachian State came up to that level. But I think that the leaders bring everybody else along. I think the best thing that ever happened to the Big C.I. Conference, and the reason we see the parity that we do in the league over the last eight years, is because of the run Montana had from 1995 to 2009. It made everybody reinvest in football. We have to figure out how to catch the Grizz. How are the Grizz doing this? It, Montana State's the greatest example. Montana State tried to catch the Grizz in all these different ways, and in a lot of ways they have, in the ways that they've expanded their facilities and all these things, but the Grizz set the pace for that. So now I'm wondering then is, how much is NDSU setting the pace and how do you catch them? And I think that the, the biggest, I mean, there's a there's a Montana-Montana State analogy in the Dakotas right now, right? South Dakota State, is to montana state what north dakota state is to montana right south dakota state has been trying their hardest to catch ndsu and they're not there but they've closed the gap quite a bit opening up the new stadium opening up the new practice facility i mean talking about style john stigelmeyer went from zach zenner run the ball all the time to taron christian jake weineke we're going to throw the ball all over the place they changed their entire offensive system to try to combat north dakota state so in terms of the teams that can do it though It's an interesting question because I think that there's some stuff that's in flux. I think that there's some schools that if they wanted to make the transition, could do it. I think a school like UC Davis could do it. If they really wanted to invest in football, they wanted to become an FCS power. I think Weber State has done a great job reinvesting. I don't know how much more traction they can gain, though. They already have the indoor. They already have the greatest coach in their school's history. They've already had some of the best success ever what happens when jay hill walks out the door how do you continue it right i mean that's the thing that montana deserves so much credit for they had what count them up one two three four five five coaches during their dominant run that's a lot different than a lot of other schools that's another another thing ndsu deserves so much credit for because sometimes it really is the leader of the program we'll see what happens with eastern washington this year but they have not been able to replicate what they had with Bo baldwin and he's the tie that binds because he was with paul wolf and then the head coach for nine years, Eastern hasn't been the same since Bob Waldwin left. So, a lot of it's financial, a lot of it's identity. But I mean, what do you think? Who who are the sleeping giants? I think. That, I mean, to me, and I was arguing this with Tutel last week. Montana is the program. Montana is the program that has the
1: highest. Uh, Opportunity to close the gap with NDSU. I'm glad that you said that because if that would have come from me, then it would have obviously come, come from a different narrative. Because now I'll go a different route and maybe say other teams. I obviously think Montana is in that next category of teams that yep. absolutely are right there, that are close. They're they're a couple things away from something turning the tide in their direction where they could be that dominant team again. I look at, I mean, James Madison, and, and I'm going to go on on this preface first. The entire Eastern United States, they are the only FCS program right now that I would even put in that category. Mm -hmm. That's east of Fargo or east of uh, Cedar Rapids in Northern Iowa. I'd say Northern Iowa, South Dakota State. Those are your teams that can challenge North Dakota State within their own conference. You look at the three in the big sky, I'd say Montana, Montana State, and Weber, Eastern I'm not saying that they can't ever get back there, but it seems like, as you mentioned, when they had their chance, like that yeah. was their best chance, right? And now they, they have a lot of, they've got a lot of questions over there that they need to figure out before they can see if they want to be no the question. number one team in the FCS. Weber State, this might come off as sour grapes. I don't know where they can go from here because I, I go down to Ogden, and, and this program is 100% where, absolutely where you need it to be. Yep. Yeah. Final four last
0: year for the first time in school history. They made the playoffs four years in a row, three state, three straight big set titles. Where's
1: the interest level? Where, right. Where's the interest level? They can't right. even that stadium. Right. And I understand weather played a huge part of it. It's Friday night. I mean, sure. all these excuses sure. for a for a quarterfinal game. That's that's what you got in
0: one of the, in one of the bigger metropolitan areas in the United States, or in the in the Western United States.
1: And, and that's the gripe from Weaver people yeah. down there. Yeah. You you talk a lot of people that follow their program day right. by day right. is we can't get people that more people care about Utah and Utah state still. So I stay, I think that is going to hold Weber back to, okay, what more can we invest in? And what's our, what's the carrot dangling at the end right there? So I would say for a, for a short answer, I would say it's Montana, South Dakota state, Montana state. Oh, it's, it's the, there's three prongs of the
0: way you're going to make money at the FCS level of football, right? You're going to have private donations. Weber state's done a great job garnering private donations. You're going to have money at the gate, Montana, Montana state, North Dakota state and Northern Iowa. They, 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 Beat everybody at that. And James Madison.
1: Yeah.
0: And then there's student athletic fees. So what's your enrollment and how much does the student body pay for? And that's why Davis is in the mix because Davis has almost 40,000 students. Every single one of them is paying $250 a semester for a student athletic fee. That's a rough number. I can fact check it for you if you really need me to. But Montana, Montana State, they don't have that student athletic fee. So that's why this pandemic has been so detrimental because you're talking about you're losing money every time you don't play in front of people, period. And so how do, you, how do you bring all those things together? South Dakota State's done a great job of starting to make money at the gate and private donations. NDSU, they have their following. They got their private donations. They have all of it. They, they have the whole f- formula figured out. Montana has obviously had some of the great donors in the history of the FCS, and that's why they have the facilities that they do. But they also win the game when it comes to what they get at the gate more than any other team in the FCS. So I think that... The dividends of the building of the Champion Center, we haven't seen them quite yet. I think that's going to be a huge thing for Montana. But I do think that you take NDSU out and there is some teams that could build towards the Bison. I don't think this is a scenario where if NDSU stays in the FCS, they're going to win the national title forever. I do think the gap is closing, and I think that one of the main, I think that the two biggest factors, I really do, I'm not just saying this because we're on the radio or on TV in Montana. I really think the two biggest factors in in the closing of the gap are the institutional momentum and community momentum that Bozeman Montana has, the way Montana State's been able to grow, the way they've been able to brand themselves as this up-and-coming premier university, the degrees they have to offer, the quality of life that's an option in Bozeman, the facility renovations that they have, the president that they have, the head football coach that they have, that gives them a tremendous amount of of forward momentum. Montana has this tremendous amount of forward momentum because of the Champion Center and because of, the dude who wants to win the national championship more than any person on this planet. And that's Bobby
1: Houck. Very accurate. And I think that's why that uh, when when people realize around the country every year of why that third week in November is so important, that's who you're looking at for the team to maybe dislodge NDSU. And I think too, and this is a question to pose at you that we could go round and round on too. When North Dakota state gets upset one time, does it give everyone else belief or more of like, whew, all right, that's over. Let's go.
0: Um, imagine Eastern Washington Cooper Cup's senior year does not lose in overtime. Imagine Cup doesn't roll his ankle at the end of the fourth quarter and they get to Eastern Washington gets to play that game with Cup on the perimeter. If they
1: I'm taking the Eagles.
0: I mean, that would have been a landmark moment in the FCS. a, a, a team from the big sky going on the road and winning in Fargo. I think it could have changed the entire dynamic. Man, we could talk about this forever, but we got to get out. Two Tell Nuanas, one tonight, ESPN, Missoula. On the other side, we got some trivia questions, not for you, for us. Riley's going to try to stump me. I'm going to try to stump him, but we do have wings of the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. So get your phones ready. We're hooking you up, like always. Two Tell Nuanas, Riley Corcoran, Voice of the Grizz, in with me, Coulter Nuanas, back after this Going to be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula. It's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Welcome back. 1029 ESPN Missoula Statewide, SWX Montana Television Worldwide. 1029 ESPN.com on the live stream. It's two tell nuanas but no two tell. Riley Corcoran in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas, as we Take you through your Tuesday, and uh, I tell you this: you're gonna want to get your phones ready. We got a lot of stuff for you coming up. We got Desperado Wings, Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill here in just a few moments. We also have Airy Gift Card, Tagliari Delicatessen, best sandwich in all Missoula, coming at the top of the hour, and around the 5:30 break, we're gonna get you some Dobies Teriyaki, best Seattle-style teriyaki in the entire city of Missoula. You're
1: so gonna look, make me hungry, by the way. Well, I I'm just mean, saying that's know, three unreal.
0: I Food know. promos for I, you. I mean, you can tell who, uh, who operates the sales portions <laughs> of the show, right? We, uh, we do a little, uh, we do a little cross promotion with uh, everybody that we like to do business with. Let's just say that, um, if you missed anything, first segment, you can find it on the podcast. Podcast is also located there. 1029 ESPN, Missoula rate review, subscribe. It's always good for us. Put it on your social media. Put it on our social media. We love it. Uh, we broke down the balance or lack thereof in the FCS in segment number one. But now, time to get in to some trivia. So, first of all, I know anybody and everybody out there that's listening wants some Desperado wings. Corcoran and I had some last Monday. Oh, it was great. While we watched the uh, Minnesota Vikings trudge through uh, the, their victory against the hapless Bears. What did you get? What kind of wings did you get again?
1: Oh, I got the... You
0: got the sissy wings.
1: I just, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Follow, I followed suit with that. But the um what other ones they get too the Maui Wowie. Maui Wowie. Maui Wowie. Those yep. are yep. those are pretty darn good too. I don't know. You got me craving. Them. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna hook you up
0: right now. Give us a call. 361 3688 All you gotta do is be the second caller. Three six one three six eight eight got a dozen wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill voted on the best wings in Missoula by you, the wing consuming voting Missoula public. All right, Corcoran got some trivia for me. We're going to go back and forth. So we'll go one of your questions, one of
1: my questions. Okay. One of your questions, one of my questions. I've got a great question here for you. Okay. Okay. And we were going back and forth, and there's there's so many things that are in Montana history lore, I mm-hmm. think, sports history lore, mm-hmm. right, that uh, mm-hmm. aren't talked about. And so this first one to you. Who made the Brawl of the Wild oh, who, trophy? Who made it? Okay. Who so made like, it? Who designed it? Who
0: designed it? Okay. I remember hearing this story, and I remember it, it's in uh, Pat Kearney's book, the... the the Divide War, which is a great book for anybody that wants to learn the history of of Montana, Montana State football. Um, it's a guy from Mission, right? He's from uh, he's from St. Ignatius, right? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to remember his name. Um, uh, Short name. It's uh, Samuelson. No. Uh, sure.
1: Norm Jones.
0: Norm Jones. That's right. Norm okay, so Jones. okay, so then I think there was another Samuelson that was involved in the presentation of the trophy, like a, like a Dave Samuelson or
1: something. What's the story? I can't remember the story now. I'm completely blacking out with the actual story. My gosh, is. I mean, with the Samuelson aspect of it too. Now you're you're going to make me text Chuck Mays because Chuck Mays. We need to get Chuck Mays on the show here, oh, by man. the way, too. Yeah. That guy will give you every piece of history you want to know about. The Brawl of the Wild yeah, Trophy yeah. and the Little Brown Stein. I think Chuck Mays goes Ooh, home yeah. and sleeps with the Little Brown Stein. He <laughs> takes it off Bobby's uh, cabinet, basically, in his office and takes it home. But uh, For those don't, that don't
0: know, Chuck yeah, Mays is the Senior Associate yes, Athletic Director yes, for Facilities should, at U.S. Montana. Should preface
1: Montana. that. Uh,
0: more, more importantly, he's from Anaconda. Yeah. So I mean, it's, he's you know, there's no such thing as anybody that's not a great person from Anaconda. I never met a bad Anaconda guy.
1: Here's a, here's a bonus one too. How much
0: does the trophy weigh? Oh man, I think a lot because it's always it's always the big boys that got to go get yep. it off the truck. It's yeah. always the offensive lineman. It's the best picture of the year, no matter who wins Love the game. It. The the offensive lineman carrying the trophy around the field. It
1: it, it doesn't get any better than that. Okay, good one. Yeah, you, you, you got me. I, I got gotcha. you. And for the record, for all those out there driving home wondering how much that trophy weigh, it's an estimated 150 pounds.
0: Oh, okay. That's about right. Yeah, okay. All right. Question for you: Bobby Houck has coached 74 career home games at Montana. Okay, 74 games okay. at Washington Grizzly Stadium in his uh, cumulative nine seasons at the helm. What is the Grizz' overall record in those 74 home games? So I guess basically what I'm asking you to do is either tell me or
1: guess the number of losses. Well, I'm obviously down to a couple here. I know that his first year back, it was the first three-game losing streak in Washington Grizzly Stadium his history. His first year back the, uh, in the, this, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, I should yeah, have yeah, prefaced yeah. that. Yes, and of course last year was 7-0. and oh, seven So three and oh. losses was far and away the most. I'm going back and forth between two, and this is probably one that I need imprinted in my brain for when I call games. So I appreciate you bringing this to the forefront. This will make my spotter board. Now I'm gonna go with 62 and 12. Pretty darn close. If it's 63 and 11, I'm going it's mad. 64 and 10. Okay, I was gonna Six, go with 64
0: 11. and 10. So you had two losses in 2003. 10 and 0 in 2004. 10 and 0. 10 home games. 10 and 0. Five and two in 2005. Eight and one in two thousand six, seven and one in two thousand seven, including a playoff loss at home. Nine and zero oh, back to back years. Oh eight and 0-9, oh, and then you mentioned the three and three and eighteen, and the seven and zero oh in two thousand nineteen. So pretty darn good. I, I uh, there's been so much scuttle, so much chatter about Grizz football and what it was, what it became, how does it get back, and. My brother Brooks and I have talked about this extensively, and I know I know as you're a guy that works in the athletic department or works closely with the athletic department. I should say, there was this moment in time where a loss at Washington Grizzly Stadium, the coaches and the players, they somehow be, it became sort of. I'm not gonna say acceptable, but it was it was not like a sin against your dead mother. <laughs> I think that Coach How he lets his players know that this is a this is a Travesty. we cannot lose at home. And that's. I think that's where you saw the ter- the program turn the corner last year. You're going to get six home games at Montana. If you take care of business and you split your road games, you're probably going to get another home game in the playoffs. Chips fly your way. You're going to be a Washington Grizz for the duration. And that's how you make a run.
1: Yes. And I think that the game that turned the tide, well, there were two, two, two Two games that, I don't want to go back to that year too much for Grizz fans that are driving home right now, but I, you go back to the Portland State game, yep. the 50-yard field goal, and then you go to UC Davis. 46 unanswered points in the second half. That stuff doesn't happen. It's the most unbelievable. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of
0: unbelievable oh. games, but that was an unbelievable game.
1: For a regular season game in October between one team not going to the playoffs and another, I mean, that was phenomenal to me. 64 and 10. I. What they've done here at Washington Grizzly Stadium, it's the full experience, I think, too, right? I mean, the fans take as much pride in this culture, I think, as Coach Houck does. And, Coach Houck might tell the team, hey, we don't lose here at home. But then they experience it for the first time and they feel everyone on top of them and they feel what a home game is like here in Missoula. Then the players understand the responsibility. I think that would be the biggest word I would use. There's a responsibility to everybody that's a part of the program that you don't lose at home.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Okay. What else you got? What's your number two question? Okay. Trivia question number two: Who has the most, in the fitting of uh, wrapping up double A or just high school football in general, mm-hmm. who has the most double A state championships in Montana?
0: Well, I, I I think that I I might get this wrong because I don't know when they actually diversified between into classifications. Ooh, okay, my initial. Thought was C M R Great Falls C M R under Jack Johnson. They believe they won thirteen state titles uh, under Coach Johnson. But then I started thinking back to uh, the first half of the twenty-first or the twentieth century, and I thought it's got to be Butte High. It's got to be the Butte High Bulldogs.
1: See Coulter, you were not going to get stumped twice. You nailed all of that first off. Butte is the winner with fifteen. Fifteen, and you were right with C M R second with thirteen. Great Falls High third with 12. So you nailed it when Butte, obviously, you know, the early 20th, 20th century, that had a huge part in it. Here's a, another bonus. See, for me, I, I want to do a bonus question Hello. off of both of my questions. See, this is
0: good. You have no idea how bizarre of <laughs> experience this is for me. Do you want to know the uh, the, the thing that Ryan 2 struggles with the most? Oh, hold on, hold on. There is one thing above per, anything per, else? Preparing trivia questions. <laughs> he can't do it. It yeah. like breaks his brain. He's like, how do you always come up to them? I'm like, think about what's going on in the, in the world. and just pre- think of a trivia question. It like could be anything. Oh, okay, the Super is coming up. Give me a Super Bowl trivia question. He can't do it. He f- just
1: melts down. So that's where his brain cramps. He can't, okay, we, he can't do it. We, he'll, we he'll spend an hour and a half trying to write trivia questions, <laughs> and, <hilarious. laughs> and he'll come in here and be able to talk for two hours uh, nonstop. With, uh, no. About everything in the world. Jeez. Philosophy. <laughs> anything here's here's my bonus part of it okay if you went non-double-a schools yep who has the most championships non-double-a yep. schools Whew. yeah i mean we're didn't go- sydney win like nine in a row or something like that Crazy. not not in a row but nine total okay so, but yes sydney okay. is up there and there's one hidden gem and i mean if you got this we'd be maybe flying to vegas or oh, going to buy lottery tickets a uh,
0: hidden gem well i know So let's see. Count them up. Does the recent co-op between Drummond and Phillipsburg count? Because if that counts, then Drummond has been a part of eight since 2003 because they had five before the co-op started. I'll just
1: say it's not them.
0: Weebo. Highwood. Oh, right. Highwood. Because then Highwood and uh, and, uh, uh, who... The other oh, small yeah. town, they had to become a co-op, yes. and it's the most brutal thing ever because yep. they had like this great the early two thousands.
1: They had it going. Oh, look that up real quick. We can't. We have to. Highwood with eleven, and most of them come in here after two thousand. So those were the ones. I mean, I had five schools kind of written down there. You you covered most of them. But- Geraldine, there you go. Jeez, Geraldine Highwood, and now, Highwood, Geraldine, and Geraldine, and, they're, they're, and of course,
0: I don't know if this is salted an open wound or funny, but the name <laughs> they're named the Rivals. That's their rat, <laughs> that's, that's right. their team name. Okay, one more trivia. Question for you, Riley. Bobby halk became the all time winner in Montana football history okay. last year in terms of overall total victories at the helm for the Grizz. Uh, 96 total victories okay. so far for Bobby Hauck. He passed Don Reed along the way. Don Reed had 85 victories in his 10 seasons at the helm. Who is third in school history with 51 victories? accomplished between 1967 and 1975
1: this also stems back to to the fact of montana having all the turnover with head coach i mean right the fact that number three is 51 i mm-hmm. think that might be the most fascinating part of the questioning before for i sure. answer but i i do have this list imprinted in my brain for yep. my spot jack swarth out yep. jack Swarthout out so, yep I, those,
0: those grizz teams of late 60s were yep. great uh I think, what, 69 and 70? Yep. They won the, the Big wrongs. Sky, went to the Camillo Bowl. Is that right? Nice. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Those teams so your were brain's good. working today uh, uh, a little, a little, bit, a little bit. Hey, by the way, this is just like completely outside, but have you ever interviewed Steve Okanowski? No. You need to get him on one of your broadcasts. Oh, he was one of the man. great lineman for those 1960s. Just to say the teams. name. I, and, I mean, when I interviewed him for the Montana Football Hall of Fame for his biography, he talked to me for an hour, and I was, like, crying. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> his stories about the Oxford, uh, downtown Missoula, what it was like you know, at Stockman's Bar in the late... I mean, gold.
1: Unfiltered. Gold.
0: Couldn't use a single second of it on the radio. <laughs> it was amazing.
1: That's 2, great.
0: Two-ton-one, it ESPN Radio, SFX Montana Television. We got to get out. We got to talk transfer out of the Grizz football program and four new recruits coming in to the Grizz football program. Stick right here, Riley Corcoran, Voice of the Grizz with me, Colter Nuwana is next.
2: Today's business phone systems are required to do more than just answer phone calls. A cloud-based or VoIP voice system from Blackfoot Communications simplifies your business communications while adding features and capabilities. Your staff, remote or in-house, can provide the service your customers expect. With zero upfront investment, your future phone system is available today. Call 541-5000 or visit blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot, connect to more.
0: Yo, it's Nuanez. It's not Tutel. Tutel's on vacation. Exponentially you think at this he's point. Already,
1: You think he's already eating Thanksgiving?
0: <laughs> he called me earlier. I said, "What are you doing?" He said, "I'm washing my car." I said, "You've lost it." Yeah. You don't wash your car. How? how what, what? What? On what a Tuesday
1: you, afternoon, what are you
0: doing? He he doesn't wash his car ever. Corcoran, have you seen his car? It's seven dollars. It costs seven dollars. He bought it. He actually got it given to him. <laughs> for free, and he had to pay a $7 fee to get it over the Canadian border. That's what it costs to get it into America.
1: You know, that is so fitting for Toutel. Isn't, it? Isn't it? You, know, you can't make that stuff up.
0: It's just <laughs> truly amazing. It's Toutel Nuanez without the tail. Riley Corker, voice of the Grizz, in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. If you're listening on the radio, you already know. It's 1029 ESPN Missoula watching on TV SWX Montana statewide and if you want to listen to us online you can check us out online that's 1029espn.com stream is presented by Opportunity Bank your local bank your opportunity do so I give us a call 361-3688 you're going to need that at the top of the hour here just in about 10 minutes or so we are going to have another great giveaway for you from Taglieri Deli And uh, we also, you can text that number to 361-3688. We did get your text about the first segment. So we'll get to that top of the hour. We don't have time right now because we got to tell you about two different things. First of all, we got something sweet for you. We're always giving you all the goods and the goodies and the gift cards. But right now we have something completely one of a kind that we're giving away. And this is going to be leading up until the end of next week. But we have a William Henry pocket knife from RP Ellis Fine Jewelry. This is not just your average pocket knife. This is a collector's item. You got to buy it at a jewelry store. It's not, you know, at the sporting goods store. This thing, it's made of exotic materials, Damascus steel. It's William Henry design. If you know, you know, that's the Rolex of pocket knives. This thing retails at almost $3,000. You want this thing. You're going to be able to show this thing off to anybody and everybody. It's a great collector's item. All you got to do is go to 1029ESPN.com, click on the link, fill out the little woofoo form. All, you, all we need is a little bit of information from you, and we need you to just tell us in one word who's going to win the Super Bowl. That's it. One word, Super Bowl winner. You're entered to win. We'll give that away once the main man, Gus, comes back. Riley Corker joining me in studio. We're going to talk a little bit of Grizz. We're probably going to have to have this spill over to the next segment as well because we got a lot more things to get to, both from the balance of the FCS to Grizz and Bobcat basketball. But first comings and goings on the Grizz football team. First of all, yesterday, myself, Scott on SportsMT.com, we reported Milton Mamula, defensive end for the Grizz, into the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, and he, he's a guy that I think showed a ton of potential when he first landed on the, the Grizz roster. But on the other side of that, four verbal commits over the weekend, headlined by Cameron Sermon, Missoula Sentinel senior quarterback who just led the Spartans to the state title. Pretty good weekend for him. Wins the state
1: championship yeah. on Friday night and then commits on the bus the next day. My thing is in that in his last weekend. How many hours of sleep do you think he got? Oh man!
0: I mean, that's the thing too. High school sports has evolved so much. Oh, I mean, you know, you were high school athlete in yep. Montana. The bus trips are both the best part about it and the worst part about it, especially if you lose. But they were able to stay the night in Billings on Thursday night, and then Bozeman on Friday, or I guess Billings on Friday night as well. And then stopped in Bozeman on Saturday. Had a victory so, uh, tour. Victory, yeah, lap. exactly, a little victory lap. But cool,
1: very pretty cool for Camden Serban. Really cool, and and a guy that obviously had a lot of factors leading into this. I remember that it kind of blew up in Washington when he left to be because he was really the first. Because of COVID, Washington not playing fall sports. He he knows that he needs to get a look, comes here. What a great opportunity. I mean, and I know that you covered it a ton I, yesterday and all last year, how phenomenal Missoula Sentinel's run is. The fact they did it with a two-quarterback system. I exactly. mean, that, that to me is just, it's incredible in its own right. And it's great to have Camden Sermon on board. I know that he's a guy willing to do a little bit of everything. Um, I think they're having him in as an athlete. I I don't want to speak ahead of anyone else here, but it's not going to be a quarterback. I mean, I, I think he can play a lot of different uh, positions right now. and I, Oh, your, your wheels are turning hold, right now. Hold that thought. Your Top of the are hour, turning. we're going to
0: talk a little bit about how I think Camden Serving could play quarterback Ooh, good. in the Big okay. Sky Conference, but okay. we'll, we'll hold that. The other news, uh, I, I believe, I, I haven't confirmed with these guys, but I have to imagine these guys are probably going to be a sort of partial scholarship, preferred walk-on guys to the Grizzlies. But three in-state kids, Sloan McPherson, who's a 6'4", 230-pound, tight end, Defensive end out of um, Savage High School, Corbin Mann, who's a six foot five, two hundred twenty pound defensive end out of Red Lodge, and then Dylan Smith, a six foot three, two hundred thirty pound DN tight end out of Whitehall. I don't know much about these kids. All three of them just committed within the last week. But when you look at their pictures and their their um, specs. That is exactly what Bobby Houck likes. Small school Montana guys with log levers and a lot of upside.
1: He loves it. And not to single any one of these guys out. We all know when recruiting and how everything works, there's so many different factors to make, to have a successful college career, stemmed off a successful high school career. But I know the one that I start was Corby Mann. I mean, the entire time, I know that he had been getting a, a ton of attention. And when you see Red Lodge, I'm from Billings, of course. Sure. So when you see a Red Lodge kid, you're thinking, wow, okay. I mean, he yeah. stands out. His measurements stand out. And, and this is the part two, And this can be a tease into the top of the next hour because this is more your wheelhouse than mine of who's winning the in-state recruiting sure. battle. Sure. But but it's a factor here when you're talking pure numbers is one thing. And when you're talking straight quality, that's another thing in both schools. Sure. It depends. Is if if Bobby Howe? They're dominating. The The Grizz obviously are dominating the yeah. end state. If you ask Jeff Choate, other way around. But it's fascinating to me. Anytime you add Montana guys to the mix, it's great. I am just intrigued by the measurements here. I mean, you got some bigger dudes that are on the line that, you know, that tight end, defensive end role, Sermon's kind of the outlier. But talking about McPherson, Mann, and Smith, whew. I mean, those are those are three names that I think uh, Grizz fans are happy to see. So, addition by subtraction, the comment I got on Milton Mimola, it's just tough. I mean, in the sense sure. of, I mean, I think a lot of people forget when he came here, it was more of a head scratcher of, whoa, how did the Grizz right. get this guy? Well, that the connection there, of course, was Tim Houck um, right. with, with the Eagles and right. how I mean, Milton br- br- right.
0: Brief backstory, Chris yep, Mamula, yep. Milton Mimola's father, played for the Philadelphia Eagles with Tim Houck. Milton Mimola prepped. Prepped in uh, right outside Philadelphia, yep. right, at Episcopalian School there. Uh, Once upon a time, was a Big Ten caliber recruit, had interest from Michigan and a couple other FPS programs, was Penn State. The one that but riddled with injuries. I mean, he had multiple injuries even in high school that rendered him, uh, I mean, there was a moment in time, right, where he, he wasn't going to think he's going to even be able to walk for a long time, like knee, back, all these bad things. And then he gets to Montana, hurts his shoulder. But last year, I thought he showed great flashes of the juice he could bring off the edge. Bobby Houck loved him since the moment that they signed him. He played spot duty last year, but he still had three sacks. And I thought he was a guy that, if he could ever get fully healthy, could be
1: a next-level type player. Couldn't agree more. Speed, speed, speed. I mean, that was the assessment that you got the entire time in the young, Grizzly defensive line. I would say it's probably, it's safe to say that's probably the biggest question mark coming in when you look at roster makeup now of who is going to fill that Tell void. not Barry Sachs that. Uh, yeah, I have, uh, you, you fire up Coach Sachs when you start talking about that. But oh, the, the, man, last time I read it, oh, Hero Sports had just put
0: out an article about all the reasons why Montana could win the National Championship, and then the reasons they couldn't, and it said an unproven, inexperienced defensive line, and he was just, oh, oh, oh I can't wait to show these guys. He's like, I'm so glad they wrote that. He's like, I'm going to put it in the locker room. He
1: <laughs> fuels off that stuff. By the way, happy birthday, Barry Sachs. That's for fitting. We didn't plan it like that, but it worked out for uh, Coach Sachs. But yeah, Milton with a ton of potential. I I hope just for his life down the road that he can stay healthy because it's a question, sure, if he can make it the next couple of years and play somewhere, good for him. I I mean, obviously when you talk about big loss or not, that's not really, I I don't know. We'll see. If he can stay healthy, maybe, but they have a lot of uh, capable players on the defensive line. Jacob McGowan, that's one... uh, that so name be stands eye on him,
0: out. for sure. I mean that's the thing about uh a guy like Mamula is that if you believe history, then you believe that coach Hauken and his staff can recruit and develop that position with the exception of pro- I mean Bobby Houk's never going to have a problem having defensive ends, linebackers and safeties that are ready to go. They they de- they recruit and develop those positions in spades and they've done I mean, a better job than almost, I mean, honestly, you could say during the 2000, two thousand two thousand three to 2009 run, they had a better job developing those spots of maybe anybody in the country. I mean, you're talking about multiple guys that were not just, you know, roster guys in the NFL drafted NFL starters. So uh, I think that the Grizz will be just fine. Me
1: too. And I think from a defensive standpoint, we'll, uh, we'll see, but the linebacker and safety aspect of a culture loaded, as you know, they are loaded and uh, ready to go from that standpoint. So we'll see. Hour number
0: one in the books. Riley Corkin, Voice of the Grizz, joining me, Coulter Nuanas, on Two Tellin' Nuanas. Second hour, we got free Tag Larry Deli, free Dobies Teriyaki, and we're going to talk some Grizz hoops, probably even get into some NFL. And I'll tell you why I think Camden Sermon, Missoula Sentinel, is a Division I quarterback. Stay tuned. Two Tellin' Nuanas.